What you are about to hear is a product of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. While a million or so medical professionals around the world were saving lives and pooling their research efforts in the quest for a cure, something else was taking place beneath the radar. Almost a hundred musicians from around the world were playing their part. Trapped in their bedrooms and living rooms, forbidden to play in public and wondering what they could do to save the world. Everyday musicians. Everyday musicians. Everyday musicians. Everyday musicians. Everyday musicians. Slaving away on what you are about to hear. As you enjoy this masterpiece, remember, it is players like these who may ultimately turn out to be the COVID champions of 2020. See if you can picture this. It's March 2020. You're looking at the Qantas check-in at Sydney International Airport. Now, see those three men there? That's right, the ones with the fancy guitar cases. They're just about to take off on a plane trip to Memphis. But something seems to have come unstuck. A flight is still scheduled, but Qantas tells them that even though they'll get into the US okay, there are no guarantees they'll be able to get back. On top of that, the insurers have just called to say the US medical system is under such stress at the moment that there's no guarantee they'd be able to get medical treatment should anything go wrong. What would you do? Maybe you'd do what they did. Cancel the tour, take the guitars home, then invite all the musicians in their network to contribute one small part to a massive quarantine project. One song and hundreds of players. I want to do something with Memphis in the title because that's where we're headed. But all the songs with Memphis, you know, like Memphis, Tennessee, or I'm going to Memphis, things like that, are not widely known. So I picked another American city, Kansas City, which no person I know has ever, ever been to. But it does have a song about it, which every musician in the universe over 30 years of age is familiar with. So that would be the first song. Start with a common old riff that most people would be aware of. Did a rough acoustic guitar version of it. And that's what I sent to all the musicians. And over the next six to eight weeks, I started receiving all these little tracks, some recorded on their computers and others on their iPhones. But in the end, I had about 60 to 80 tracks from individual musicians, none of whom knew what the end result was going to sound like. And you can imagine what sort of editing and mixing job that would have involved. So let's have a listen. Shit, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, what am I doing? Right, there's some important information I neglected to share with you. First of all, all the musicians who appear on the Kansas City track 
did so without any reference to one another. So there was no sharing of ideas, no master arrangement that they had to follow. There were multiple key changes throughout and no one had any idea how the final product was going to turn out, myself included. The second thing I wanted to do was to introduce one of the key players in this exercise. This particular man cannot be identified. I can identify him, of course, but I don't want to give you his name because that would spoil the competition which this project involves. Oh, you didn't know it was a competition? Well, it's dead simple. If you can identify a certain number of the musicians performing on this, and that's much easier than you think because most of them, or many of them, are from within your circles. You can win yourself a lifetime supply of alcohol. In brackets, if you don't drink a lot over the course of your lifetime. Anyhow, back to the man I was going to introduce you to. Right now, in the middle of all the coronavirus excitement, he's in the studio mixing his album. It's been going on for several weeks now, I understand. Anyhow, we're not going to do that in his studio because at this very moment, that's against the law. So we're going to do the interview in a nearby coffee shop. That too is against the law, because according to the coronavirus police, you're only permitted to leave your house for four reasons, and that's doing your shopping, going to work, exercising, or seeking medical help. I'm not sure how doing interviews fits into this equation, but as long as we follow social distancing protocols, I think we're allowed to order takeaway coffees, which is what we're pretending to do right here. I won't name the coffee shop because the proprietor is complicit in this crime. You're in, in Memphis for some reason? Indirectly, my two brothers and I were heading off to a guitar workshop just outside of Memphis in a place called Clarksdale. And that was the day before the shit hit the fan mm. and all the news started coming out. You know, there's a major crisis in America and they're, they're closing airports. Oh. So at the airport, we canned the trip. You got out by the skin of your teeth? Yes, that's when we think, right, now we can't go to America. What are we going to do? And, and a few days later, they started putting us into isolation. They were, we were suggested we should stay at home. And I thought, well, if all my musician friends, they're all sitting around in exactly the same position. They got nothing to do with their time except do a recording. Bingo, the light goes on. Have you ever been to Memphis? It's only in my mind. There's a song there. <laughs> yeah. Memphis in my mind. It's got a great musical heritage, obviously, but I've not been on the ground yet. Can you think of any Memphis songs? Um, only Memphis, Tennessee. There you go. Straight away. Have you ever done that one? Yeah, well, I did. Years ago, I was in commercial radio in Breakfast Shift in Adelaide, and Malcolm Fraser, I'm not sure if he was still Prime Minister then or it was shortly after, but our, our one-time Prime Minister, Malcolm Fraser, became renowned for losing his trousers in a Memphis hotel room. Now, I don't know that we ever found out how or why, but it hit the media overnight. So I'm on breakfast radio and it had come through the wire overnight and everyone's scrambling to find out the details because it's such a hot story. And I'm not really a news hound type, but what I spent my time doing, because I was the brekkie radio guy, I've pulled my guitarist friend, Tony Summers, who used to be in the Master's Apprentices, I pulled him out of bed at a quarter to five in the morning. What were you doing in bed with Tony Summers at quarter to five? <laughs> Getting him out. <laughs> Pulled him out of bed to get him into the studio so we could record a version of uh, Memphis, Tennessee relevant to the situation with Malcolm Fraser. We recorded it and by six o'clock we had it on air. We got so many calls to play it again and play it again. By the end of the week, I could have sold the thing. But for that week, it was quite popular. And of course, the thing was still topical in that period too. So. What year was that? Roughly. I think 80s. 
I bet we could find that recording. Maybe. You know where they are? Who knows? In the National Archives. I did a podcast recording with a guy called John Elliott. He used to be a radio announcer in Longreach. Remember John Elliott? When I was there, which would have been 1969, and what used to happen is after the radio station shut down at 10 o'clock, we would go in and we'd put some songs down. Yeah, I remember John Elliott. When I decided to do this podcast with him, I mentioned to him, he went to the National Archives and he dragged out the recordings that we did. They're pretty scary, by the way. But there's history there and, yeah, things you'd forgotten all about. I remember recording on the old reel-to-reels, the Roller and Plessy valve reel-to-reels. They were stunningly good. Used to do a very similar thing in the Darwin studios. And as these two guys start to get carried away about their previous careers in radio and television, let us not forget that we're here to talk about a recording where somewhere between 60 to 80 musicians, many of whom are people you know, contributed one little piece to a monster of a track, which we're going to hear in a moment. Because yeah. only going down to a roller, quarter-inch tape anyway. But you had two rollers, so you could do double tracking. Or, or echo. Well, I used to do... I was good at you know, I've just thought of another dimension to our competition. If anyone can tell me the whereabouts of Malcolm Fraser's trousers that he lost in that hotel foyer in Memphis, we will have an extra prize. The details of this, along with the rest of the competition, will be revealed at the end of this podcast. You had to get the speed of the reel right or hold it back a little bit and then let it go and hit your record button on the other one. Hey, before we go much further, what is the thing you're recording? Is it you or is it a band? Uh, yeah, it's me with various people in who do do those things. I've had some wonderful people help me out. The harmonies and one of them in particular, a bass player who you know, um, country A-team guy, plays all around the world. And he... If he's the guy I'm thinking of, he did play in one of my bands once for a little while, but he failed in one particularly important area, and oh. that is... I have this policy in my bands that I never have people in the back line who are better looking than me because people keep looking at the bass player or the drummer. And this guy was afflicted with particularly good looks. Maybe you should reflect on that piece of wisdom before oh, yeah. you sign him up for the tour. <laughs> he repeatedly says to me when I run into him, he says, that session we had, that's one of the best sessions I've had anywhere in the world. That's, that's fun. And it was. It was magnificent. Yeah, you cannot waste money on bass players. <laughs> When I was doing this exercise, this is the Kansas City one, I ended up with maybe 70 vocals, guitar solos, tambourine tracks, bass tracks, harmony lines, organ solos, saxophone solos, rhythm guitars, even tambourines. You've taken on a horrendous thing. I understand you've got more than one version now. Yeah. If we ever finish all this mixing, we'll probably end up with about five different tracks. Good Lord, you're a masochist. Kansas City, 
first 50% of the first of several recordings. You'll hear the remainder of the second half in the next podcast. But before you head off to find out all the details on how the competition works, bearing in mind that the competition involves identifying 50% or more of the players who appear in each podcast, I'm going to give you a few hints as to who the personnel are. The first one you've already heard, this chat we've been having with one of the players, and you'll be hearing more from him later. As for the remainder of the players, how about I give you a few hints? The very first player you hear has played slide, mandolin and banjo on many famous country albums. 
This was in the theme music which introduced the episode. On that same track, the bass harmonica and the drums are both played by prominent authors. The bassist you hear in that particular track is a man who has bomb-making skills of all things. And this brings us to the next track, which is the one you can hear playing under my voice now. I should point out here that this is the only track where there were two musicians in a studio together. All the rest were individual tracks provided by individual musicians. Anyhow, this particular track features a guitarist from a successful 90s rock band. Also featured on that track is a hot young jazz drummer who's played by some of the best-known jazz musicians in the world and a young upright bass player that I don't know much about. And that brings us to the Kansas City track itself and we'll return to the second half of this in the next podcast. Before I go, I'll give you one more hint about the person I was interviewing. As well as being a recording artist and a former radio personality, you may also remember this man if you've seen the movie Robbery Under Arms with Sam Neill. Or you may have seen him in movies with Tom Burlinson and Carrie Fisher. You may have seen him in TV series like Water Rats and Police Rescue, because as you might have guessed, he is the heroic type. Before I leave you, if you've been wondering about that competition I've been bragging about, the details are on my website, www.andtheguru.com. Come on, you don't need me to spell that out. Andtheguru.com. I've spent half a lifetime trying to get this out of my mind, but for some reason that picture of Malcolm Fraser, our Prime Minister, standing in the foyer of the Peabody Hotel in Memphis at 4 a.m. in the morning without his pants. I just can't get that image out of my mind. Maybe, maybe there's a song in here for some future competition. (laughs) ¶¶ 